Adios, Philadelphia. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into another edition of Oi and Philly Sports. This is a show for y'all. Uh, there's been a lot been going on the past couple days, and I've been short on time. But uh, time is but a gift for all of us, ladies and gentlemen. But um, I wanted to do an OA episode of Oi and Philly Sports. A lot of things on my mind. A lot of things I'm, I'm assuming that are on your mind as well. So I figured Oi and Philly Sports is the best way to kind of recap everything that's been going on the past couple of days. Uh, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to last night's Sixers versus Bucks game recap. Uh, tough loss, but hey, we I appreciate you guys showing some love and coming on in and at least allow, uh, alleviating some stress off of your guys' back because definitely that was a rough one. But you guys are new to Oi Philly Sports. Pretty self-explanatory. This is a show for you guys. We come in, we hang out, we talk sports, we talk what is on our mind. So right now we have the link right now in the chat. In the comment section, you guys can come on in and we can discuss together what is on your mind. Of course, you guys keep sending in those comments. Whatever you guys want to talk about today, throw it in the comment section. We'll discuss it. We'll get to those in a second. But I wanted to thank everyone. Welcome, YouTube. We got Twitter and we got TikTok here today. So let's get straight to it. What is going on? What's up, Juan? We see you in the chat. I appreciate you, man. I hope you had a great time yesterday, Juan, at the Sixers versus the Bucks game, although they lost. I hope you enjoyed your time at the Wells Fargo Center. All right. Well, I want well, let's I think that's a great spot spot to talk about because I, I there's some there's two things that I wanted to discuss uh from last night's game that we didn't get to mention. Now, this morning, um in in the uh the aftermath of last night's to the Milwaukee Bucks, one topic that I saw get brought up a lot was very, very interesting. I do agree and I and I and I have my own take on it. A lot of people were discussing Doc's starting lineup going into the beginning of the fourth quarter. Why was it that Doc went out with an all-bench lineup, which he didn't if you looked at it. I mean, Tobias Harris is not a bench player. Uh, but what we need to remember about this team is we are pretty thin, like let's face it, and we can't play Joel Embiid and James Harden 48 minutes every single game. Um, I think what Doc, the issue at hand is Doc, not fully understanding, he may still believe that he's 11 deep, like he mentioned before, which we all know is a little bit ridiculous. But understanding that you need to spread out these minutes, right? You need to make sure that you have James and Joel ready for the prime moments of the fourth quarter. I'm fine with benching those both of those players in the beginning of the fourth quarter to have them ready for the meat and potatoes of that all-important quarter. But you guys are killing him for benching Joel and James instead of killing him for not managing the rotation the proper way. These are issues that we keep continue having with Doc Rivers, and I thought that the energy you guys were were, were taking it on was the wrong way. I think you guys should deflect it in a different way. Yeah, having James and 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 Joel on the bench beginning of the fourth quarter where Giannis is cooking on you is definitely frustrating as all hell. But you got to be able to manage your rotations better, and that is on Doc Rivers. And so I wanted to kind of clarify that point because I saw a lot of that here today. A lot of big, like, Sixers content creators killing him for that as well when, in reality, if Doc does a better job of managing his rotations, we would be fine in that fourth quarter. And, guys, look, I know our bench is weak, but this is the NBA. If you are the seventh or eighth man on a rotation, you still have a job at hand. You still got to go out there and defend. And I know that we are pretty thin in this rotation, but guys got to do their job as well. I know it's hard when you got George's knee. 
my God. George is Niang. I, I love the dude, but he's definitely a one-trick one pony. I'll go two-trick pony because he definitely can provide some space. He can provide some energy as well. But, yeah, it, this has been something we've discussed all throughout the season. Can this Sixers team be ran? And, 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 and can we go as far as Joel and James take us? And that's something we're going to have to be seeing. I we did not. I, I do apologize. Last night we did not talk about the MVP race. I think it's time to start talking about it with less than ten games left into the regular season. I think to me, as much as I love John Morant, I do believe John Morant should be in that conversation. But right now, he got hurt at the worst possible time in the midst of a heated MVP race. I do believe that it's Joel's award to lose. Essentially, um, Nikola Jokic is making a good push, but I just do not think that if you've watched both Joel and Jokic, I don't understand how you could sit here and tell me that Joel and Bede is going to lose to Jokic at this very moment. Jokic and Joel are fantastic centers and they're one, one, a one B you could put them in that category. That's how good of centers they are. But if you watch what Joel Embiid has done this entire year, the bullshit he's had to deal with from Ben Simmons and one of the weirdest stories in NBA history to now having to, to, to get himself acclimated with James Harden in this new offense. And yet this still this man is still putting up 30 points with t- over 10 boards a game, over 15 boards a game. What he's doing is fantastic. No one can stop him. And you can't tell me that he's not the most important player on his team. This team can very well get the one seed. I don't think they will, but they very well could get that one seed. Whereas Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, gentlemen and ladies, they are in six in the West. Six seed in the West. Yeah, the Western Conference is a tougher conference, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Joel Embiid, in, in my opinion, and, and and it should be your opinion as well, this isn't just opinion-based, this is a fact. He should be high, more highly regarded than Nikola Jokic does. Nikola can't do what, what Joel does. I know Joel doesn't have the assist ability of a Nikola Jokic. Nikola is like a quarterback when, he, when he's playing as a rim protector, which is crazy to think about. But being able to attract that many double and triple teams being able to shoot a shot wherever on the basketball court, being able to be the dominant presence that he is. Nick Joel is definitely the MVP. Now Giannis had a great, he made, he made his statement yesterday as well. He's definitely going to be in the running of the MVP. But I think if you look at what Jokic and Embiid have done this year, it comes down to those two guys that the books making his uh, late case as well. We saw what he did to us on Sunday, absolutely cooking us as well. But I think right now it comes down to Joel Hans Embiid. What's up, TikTok? What's going on, guys? We got the Farzy show in the building. What's up, Farzy? Make sure you guys subscribe and tune into the Farzy show. Great stuff. Mark Farzy are getting great interviews on that show, man. Shouts out to the Farzy show. Yeah, guys, I, I know what's on my mind. We're going to get to that as well. You thought we're not going to talk about Colombia? Que te pasa, huevon? Absolutely. What's up, Fat uh, Boy SSE? What's happening, man? Good morning to you, my brother. Good morning to you, uh, Juan. I, I listen. I hear you, Juan. It's it's a reg. Hey, listen. I know it sucks because you spent all that money. I I know you're from Reading. You had to make the travel to Philadelphia, but it's a regular season game, man. It, it, it's it's a regular season game, man. Uh, Fat boy, we're gonna we have the Phillies. Um, the Phillies segment is coming up. We're gonna talk about the Flyers in just a second. Then we'll get to the Phillies. If you have a little patience, we'll get to it. But I really appreciate you checking on in, man. We have a lineup here, brother. I appreciate it. We'll definitely get about. We'll definitely get to the Phillies defense. Uh, we'll definitely get to that, man. I appreciate it. Uh, 
sir. I appreciate that. Uh, good to see him beat succeed coming from a Maz fan. All the injuries and Luka Doncic is also making a late case as well. I think that right now he's fifth in the MVP uh, running, if, in my honest opinion. But yeah, man, Embiid is Embiid. This is his award to lose, in my opinion. This is his award to lose. Um, first time, first time a big. Hey, that's what's up, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for tuning on in, man. Yeah, we talk, we talk Phillies, we talk Sixers, we talk Flyers, we talk Eagles, we talk Union. We'll we'll definitely get to all of it here today, but I appreciate it. We'll definitely get to that. But um, I wanted to kind of give us kind of discuss this next segment, but also give an announcement. Um, so I want to move on to the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, last night in Minnesota, in First XL uh, Arena, the Flyers not only lost to the Minnesota Wild four to one, but the Flyers have officially been eliminated from playoff contention, which means, yeah, the season is essentially over. We have about, I believe, we have less than eight uh, eight games, I think, in the regular season, uh, but it's about damn time the Flyers uh, get eliminated. Last year, I think we were eliminated with six games left into the season, and this is the first time the Flyers don't make the playoffs in back-to-back season since the 92-93, 93-94 season. Um, and honestly, I mean, you we all kind of saw this coming. It's crazy this team started off the season 6-2-2 two, and two, uh, into what this team is right now. It's, it's, truly, it's truly remarkable how this team kind of have gone so far far back i mean we look at 2020 that game seven against the islanders the way the team kind of captivated the city flyers talk was prominent in philadelphia for about a month during the bubble everyone was talking about the flyers there was an actual buzz surrounding that hockey team and for them to kind of go on this downward spiral they have gone on since that moment is remarkable it really is we did not lose that many players from that 2020 team Niski may have been a loss, a bigger loss than we may have anticipated. Uh, we also lost Nate, lost Nate Thompson and Tyler Pitlick, and those main losses on that season. You're going to tell me that Pitlick, Thompson, and Niski are the reason why for this downfall? There's been a lot of mismanaging for this team. And even last night, last night just goes to show you, as I drop my pen, how far away we truly are from being a contending team in this league. The Minnesota Wild play fast, aggressive, and they know how to put the puck in the net. And now they have solid goaltending as they traded for Marc-Andre Fleury, who we know very well here in Philadelphia. But that was a game, look, they started off fast, but then after five minutes into the game, you could truly tell the talent difference between the Minnesota Wild and the Philadelphia Flyers. The Wild, much faster. They're much more aggressive, and the Flyers just could not keep up. I thought the third period was a solid period for the Flyers. I saw some good things. I saw the Flyers putting some pressure on the on the, on the the Wild, but just too many mental mistakes, mental breakdowns defensively, and it's not just the it's not just your blue liners. It's just like a team mentality. Defensively, we just don't we just don't play well as a unit defensively when it comes to the Flyers. Uh, there was there was some positives yesterday, which I will get to as well. But this team is definitely far away, and right now we are in evaluation period. We're going to evaluate these these players, these next couple games, uh, these final games of the season, and we're going to see what we have for next year. I hate saying that. I really hate saying that. But right now is an evaluation period. 
Wins and losses really do not matter. I know a lot of people want to see the Flyers tank. I I, I want a good draft pick as well. But what we do need to remember, we just need to be in the top five range. Because with the draft lottery, you have the ability to get yourself into the top five, into the top three with getting yourself enough balls to get that top five pick. So I think that's really what it is all about um, in, in the game. But uh, so for right now, we are going to be evaluating some players. And uh, real quick. I wanted to give a shout out to Noah Cates, who had his NHL debut. That was really the story for the Flyers yesterday. Noah making his debut in his hometown of, of, of what do they play, St. Paul. I think he's from Minneapolis. He had a lot of his hometown buddies and, and friends and ex-teammates, coaches, girlfriends. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably give about that. But they were in the stands rooting on Noah Cates. And, dude, I, I think we got something here with Noah. A big-body guy. Now, we do have his brother Jackson in the system. He's been bouncing back with the Phantoms and the Flyers. But Noah's a different type of player. Bigger body, 6'2". I think he's a better I think he's just overall a better player than Jackson is. And I think that the, the the future is bright for Noah Cates. I mean, the kids from Minnesota, he's got to come with something, right? Those Minnesota hockey players are built differently. But um, so shouts out to Noah Cates. I, I thought it was a, I thought also it was a good debut. I thought he looked pretty solid in his debut. You saw his, his ability out on the ice. He's ready for this level and he's going to be contending uh, next year. But as we go forward, I think the big question marks obviously is what we have and the forward lines and. Really, what what do we have in your bottom six, and what do we have in your top six forward, six forward lines? So as far as the bottom six, we're looking at Maxwell Woolman. You're looking at Hayden Hutchinson. You're looking at Patrick Brown. You're looking at Zach McCowan. You're looking at Owen Trippett, Morgan Frost, Noah Cates. And then also what we have right now in Lehigh Valley, you got Wade Allison and Isaac Ratcliffe. You're evaluating all these players and seeing what we have as far as your bottom six go as far as those forward as far as the forward position. So. We're going to continue evaluating and see. Now, I knew I do believe the Phantoms are preparing for the playoffs, so there is a possibility they could get eliminated. We could see Wade Allison and Isaac Ratcliffe up up here for the final two games, maybe. Uh, but that's a wait and see. But I do think that Wade Allison and Isaac Ratcliffe, from what I've seen in the small sample size of both those players, can play in the NHL. And honestly, I would like to see them playing with the Philadelphia Flyers. But we will have to wait and see. But I am a little curious about some of the veteran players in the top four forward lines. Your JVRs, your Kevin Hayes, your Oscar Limbaums, and your Travis Konechny's. To me, those four players are question marks going into next season. Not saying that they're going to be gone, but... Is Chucky going to be looking at trade potentials for some of these guys? Now, obviously, JVR, I would love to get out of that contract. I believe he's got one more year uh, before he goes into free agency. Kevin Hayes, obviously, is like four more years on that $7 million deal he signed back in 2019. Um, and then Lindblom and TK. Lindblom, obviously, a little bit cheaper, so I don't see him possibly leaving, but... I do believe we can upgrade from Oscar Lindbaum and Travis Konechny, although I do feel like TK since the all-star Blake has all-star Blake all-star break has been playing a lot better. I do think that we could improve upon from Travis Konechny as well. The inconsistencies have been too much for me to handle. I don't know about you guys, but definitely has been too much uh, for me to handle as of late. So we have some serious question marks here. And with the blue lines, I do think your top blue line pairings are going to stay the same. I think that Cam York and I, uh, Ivan Provorov will be there next year. I believe that uh, Sandheim and Risto will be there next year as your, your top two blue lines. Uh, but it's good. The question is that third line pairing. This year we ran with Keith Yandel with some 
essentially AHL are going next to him and Justin Braun. So disrespect Justin Braun. Uh, but Nick Sealer and uh, Pat Connaughton, I think is it's not it's not Connington. I think it's Connaughton. Um, they've been running with Keith Yandel on that final pairing, and I don't think that we're going to see that. I really hope we don't see that next year. Um, of course, we have guys we're going to discuss in a second, but I think that third line pairing is going to be the question mark. And what is the Flyers' plan exactly? Right now, we do know it's the valuation period we're thinking about next year. But what is the plan going forward next year? Like, are we going to continue this rebuild process? Obviously, we can't trust the front office because they are constantly giving us conflicting different things. Dave Scott in the middle of the season saying he's going to give Chuck Fletcher the open checkbook. And now we see that they've traded Chloe, they traded Justin, they traded Derek, and we're pretty much putting out youngsters. It's not tanking quotations is <laughs> an evaluation process right now with the flyers uh so there's some serious question mark now yesterday alongside with noah cates making his nhl debut the flyers also signed on ronnie atard who was a uh i believe a 2019 second round or third round draft pick who was going through college and he just got eliminated in the frozen four for western michigan and he signs on a two-year entry-level deal uh, with the Flyers, a defenseman with some bo- with a big body. He to me, I love his mentality just from like seeing the interviews. I, mean, I haven't watched any really tape of Ronnie Atard play. Um, I've heard only good things about him, but I just like the positive mentality he has. I mean, the dude is a hard worker. He loves this sport. Gets eliminated from the Frozen Four, and he's moving on. He's excited for this new opportunity with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's the kind of things you want to see going forward with some of these young prospects that you got going on. But um, you know, will will hit will Ronnie because Ronnie's going to get an opportunity pro- probably this weekend to come up here and play with the Flyers. But you also have Igor Zamula in the system. You have Bobby Brink, who's fucking killing it in college right now, and could he, he possibly could be coming up here next season. So the future of the blue line looks good with some of these p- other players in mind. And of course, you got the free agency market that you can look at as well. Uh, but I think the third line is going to the third defensive pairing is going to be the biggest question mark heading into next year. I think you have some players for your forward. I think you have some forwards, but we're going to have to figure out what it is exactly we're going to be fitting these guys and who's going to be staying up, who's going to be staying down with the Lehigh uh, Valley Phantoms. But um, I wanted to announce that um, Flyers game recaps uh, until the end of the till the final game of the year will uh, will end. Um, I just yesterday kind of came to the conclusion while I was watching both the Sixers and Flyers. I was more in tune with the Sixers um, right now. Philadelphia as Philly sports fans, you guys know my duty is for Philly sports fans. It's Sixers time. We're getting close to the playoffs. The Flyers honestly don't deserve as much of the coverage as they probably are getting because of just the ineptitude that they've been giving Flyers fans. Um, it doesn't mean that we are cutting off the Flyers. We'll still be talking about the Flyers like we're doing right now. Uh, but just with the Phillies, essentially next week they start up and the Union going in full circle, uh, the Sixers heading into the playoffs, adding the Flyers is too much. So Flyers game recaps will be done until the final game of the season. Uh, I love Flyers fans. I appreciate all the support that Flyers fans have been giving me this entire year. It has been rough. And, go, and going in every single night, watching these games and trying to give you guys a game recap, trying to tell you guys what is going on has been so difficult because it's been bad hockey. And 
partially fault of the Flyers, partially the fault that right now we're putting in a lot of young kids. So what is the point of dissecting a bad hockey game when you just got a lot of kids that are just trying to learn and pick up the game? So I kind of wanted to come on here and let you guys know that, that Flyers game recaps will be done. I will be doing the final game of the season. And then, of course, during the the offseason, any major news that comes out with the Flyers, we'll be doing videos and we'll be discussing it as well. But uh, for right now, until the final game of the year, Flyers game recaps, uh, has been postponed. I guess we'll say that. Well, has been postponed until then. But I, I, it sucks. But um, win. It's that simple. Flyers Nation or Flyers Philadelphia Flyers organization hockey club. Just win, please, for the sake of all of us. Please just win, man. All right. Uh, let's see here. Angel, see, I see you, brother. Thanks so much for the follow, Angel. Appreciate that. Welcome to the family, my man. Um, Bucky Brutus, uh, Luca gonna be league MVP. I would ask you, my friend, why do you believe Luca will be the uh, MVP of the league? Um, that's kind of a hot take. So, if you have an explanation, that would be great, man. Uh, Fat Boy SSC lets us know that he hasn't watched the Flyers since 2010. Although I think you're crazy, I don't blame you. This past decade has been trash, uh, mediocre at best. Anytime the Flyers have made the play, besides 2020, 2020 was a fun year, and it truly felt like the Flyers had a legitimate chance of winning something, or at least making the final or the Stanley Cup finals. But yeah, I I, I guess I, I can't blame you too much, man. But I do find that hard to believe, and that's been the problem. Why would anyone spend the time out of their day, especially when you have a Sixers team that's been good for the past five, six seasons? Why would they spend the time out of their night to watch the Philadelphia Flyers? I love the Flyers. I will watch the Flyers. I'm still going to be watching the Flyers. We're just not going to be doing the game recaps until the final game of the season. But I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. We got Kata Hot in the chat. What's up, my brother? What's going on, man? Uh, Kata letting us know he has not watched the Flyers, and we were just too bad to watch. I don't blame you. It's been rough watching those Flyers every single night. Um, but we got we have uh, – we, we have a duty to give to Philly sports fans for sure, man. But I do not blame you, man. Uh, thank you so much. All right. All right. All right, guys. Uh, as always, we allow you guys to come on in and discuss, and we can talk about whatever you guys want, any questions, concerns you guys may be having. As my uh, ring light is not working, I mean, we're now we're good. All right. So I'm going to put again the link to the comment section if you guys want to come on and discuss you guys are more than welcome to uh, but we're going to bring some guys on to the show here now if you again it's in the comment section i don't know why this is not working here for me all right that works all right so let's go backstage now guys and let's bring on our first guest king washington is on oin philly sports what's up my brother how you feeling i'm good how are you i'm good man i'm good we're it's a beautiful wednesday morning here hump day we're we're ready for some more Philly sports, man. Yeah, I'm just on spring break. It's about to rain. Um, it really hasn't even hit. Uh, probably it hasn't even hit 40s this week. So it's supposed to snow at some point here in the Philadelphia area. So the weather is being weird as all hell, man. I know. So, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're just catching up with a lot that's been going on right now. Uh, we're just ready to move on from the from the Flyers and just focus on the Sixers, Phillies, and the Union, my man. Yeah, I uh, I can't tell you the last time I watched the Blackhawks. I heard, you know what? This is the thing with the Blackhawks is like, 
I've seen they've got up to like a couple leads. They just blow them every time. Like they really do. I like they were playing one team and they keep going into overtime. I saw this one clip and this dude's stick broke and the puck went right behind him, right into the goal and we lost in overtime and I was like I don't know. I, I don't want I, I can't watch the Blackhawks. I feel you, man. Tays and Kane still there for the Blackhawks? I know Kane is. I I'm being real. I can't tell you the last time I watched him. Uh, I know Kane is. I don't know about. He might be. Okay. Okay. I no it's, it's, it's interesting, man. It's because it, look, look, I, I'm I get it. When you have generational pieces like Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, you kind of like are going to marriage yourself with those players. But it, it's that's they're old now and, and you kind of are doing a little bit of a rebuild with those guys there now and so it's an interesting time with Chicago man but hey, it's it, it at least you guys got some cups man you took one from us as well as as fat fat boy SSC is letting us know for back in 2010 uh, so spring training is going on right now right or yes sir like, yes sir dude I've seen the cups have been like I've been like getting little notifications from Bleacher Report they're actually not playing bad okay okay I'm not. I mean, I I don't know too much about him, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. I I don't ever take spring training too much into. Uh, I I don't put too much stock into it. Uh, it's just to it to me. It just in general, like preseason sports. Like I can't get down with it. Like I'll pay attention here or there because I want to see some of the guys. And, um, but it, it's just really for the players. It's not really for the fans, in my honest opinion. It's for them to get themselves ready for the season. So you're yeah. gonna see them try new things um you, you know especially like like for an example like a team like the phillies with a lot of new pieces you're trying new lineups and today which we're gonna the philly segment is up next but um it's it's just it's just a time to to get ready man get get that body ready yeah what do you think about the sixers man it's it's uh it's tough right now i, I my my opinion is i, I do think that people uh, again putting too much stock in the regular season it is a little bit of a concern the way they have been ending games. Um, they just collapse. And part of that has to do with the fact that you have a new, a very new piece that's very important for the team going forward in James Harden. Part of that is the fact that you are very thin. I mean, we had Sixers fans upset from last night because in the beginning of the fourth quarter, Dockers didn't have James or Joel to start for the first two minutes and 40-some seconds. And, yeah, Giannis kind of cooked on us. And the Bucks started cutting down the lead, but what are you gonna do? Like you can't play Joel and James all 48 minutes of the game. Yeah, you gotta give them breathers. And the other issue right now is that that Doc Rivers is also not coaching, not coaching, or not. I should say. He hasn't made the right moves as a coach in in the important minutes of closing games. So it's just a magnitude of different things. And so we're just going to have to wait until the playoffs. I think to me, again, it's the real test. We'll see if these guys take it to another notch. But the depth is a, the depth and the coaching of this team are some serious, legitimate question marks, man. Yeah. So going back to the Bulls, I feel this is the thing with the Bulls. I feel like is – most of the games I've watched, and I think most people could say if you watch two or three Bulls games, is that I think the way we started out the season was DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan. And Zach Levine mixed in a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just think that right now, DeMar's still playing well. I just think he's forcing up shots because he knows that he needs to get this team on his back. And once he starts drilling so- shots, we get we get the energy. Um, I, I just think him and Zach are forcing a lot of shots. Um, I don't know. Where's, what's up with Lonzo? So, the last thing I heard is his knee. He was supposed to, when he got out, it was scheduled six to eight weeks. Um, right now, it's looking like he won't come back for the regular season, and he'll miss a couple playoff games. Um, I don't. I, it just didn't come back. It, I don't think he was healing properly. Um, okay. Which sucks because I think that's a big. No, part it is the team that we miss. It's a big loss. Because um, without him, we have a rookie, Io, who I really love. Io, I think I like him a lot. I think he was a steal. Um, yeah, I like him too. So I, I don't know. It's I, I, I have no clue. I, I think that uh, when you're hot like the Celtics right now, I mean, you got to get hot before this. Before the playoffs start, yeah, you can't man. get hot at the playoffs because if you're down two or three games and kind of you might blow one or whatever, so you're gonna have to get hot before the playoffs and carry that into the playoffs to have momentum. But yes, sir, yes, sir. You know who I really like? I love Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, he's. He's got Philadelphia fans going wild right now. I know. I said that. I remember I told you that when Ben Simmons was around and you guys were playing Ben Simmons over him and when he was coming off the bench. I The 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 reason I like him the most is because he's on my fantasy team. But I think he's just like – you don't have James Harden or um, Joel Embiid. I think he's that piece to – He's the third scorer, and he's a really good scorer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's what sophomore season, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's taken on this responsibility like a champ. Um, uh, he's exceeded any of my expectations, and he just wants more. Like he wants more of a workload. He wants more responsibility, and that just kind of shows you the kind of character is. He just loves the game of basketball. You can just see it. He just is so thankful and appreciative to being out there. And I think the talent is just there, and he has the right mindset for this, and it's all just kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. He's going through a little bit of a slump. Um, in the West Coast trip, there was like this fourth quarter Maxi because Maxi was just starting off game slow, but then just going off in the fourth quarter, making some big shots. Um, and then he, he, yesterday was really the one game where he kind of just it, it never got to get he never got it together. He finished with seven points, and part of it is the fact that. Uh, he wasn't getting any the, any good looks as well, um, but no, he's he's going to be a very important piece. And he, him and and Tobias, you know, when James or Joel are kind of in a standstill scoring points, one of those guys do have to step up, and it's just been a lot of fun. Um, for your Bulls, though, I would say one point I wanted to mention is I, it's a really good team. I think you guys play solid defense. Obviously, Demar Derozan was an MVP candidate for a moment, but. I think one problem is the spacing for you guys. Like, I feel like Demar and Zach are good scorers, but they're obviously not three-point threats. Demar is a killer with inside the three-point, and that is great. And that's why you guys are in the spot you're in. You're in a good playoff spot. I think what you guys are the fifth or sixth seed right now. Yeah, we're the fifth. Fifth seed, and 
that's partially because of the type of scores Demar and Zach is, but you need to you need you're gonna need that spacing. Um, and for right now, it's keep, keeping you alive at that fifth seed. But when you're gonna go up against us, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, Brooklyn, I can throw in there, Boston, you're gonna have to outscore those guys who can score from the three point line. Yeah, I think um, I I think it's a big reason why we lose games is because we don't have a solid backup center or another big man is you have Vooch who's all right right now um, and who's playing all right defense. But then you put Tristan Thompson in the game who I actually pretty, I, I like him a lot. Um, <laughs> Tristan Thompson. I, I just think that we need to kind of have a solid backup. Like when you guys had Joel Embiid and Drummond, I thought that was per- like, I like, I love that for you guys. I, I really like that. Now it was smart to get rid of Ben Simmons and get Harden because I think it was really smart. Yeah, I think it was a win-win for both people. Once Ben Simmons comes back, it'll <laughs> if help. He ever does <laughs> if he does. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I got yeah. one more question for you. Sure. What do you think about Carson Wentz? Um, I will get to that in a second, but uh, uh we're actually it's gonna be part of the Eagle segment. But King Washington, my man, stay tuned for that Carson Wentz segment. But I really appreciate. It. I know you are excited, uh, for the Comet Commanders and Carson Wentz, man. You you have a great day, King Washington. Thank you so All much, right. brother. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but um, one last point I wanted to mention, uh, because he brought up a good point about uh backup centers. Thank you so much to King Washington. Paul Reed was going to come into last night's game. Doc Rivers was going to put him in and for whatever reason decided to go with Paul Millsap. Um, I do not think that Paul Reed is going to be the difference of this team succeeding in the playoffs as that backup center. But again, like we discussed with your fourth quarter rotations, with putting Tease over Niang in there, you got to try something different. And and at what point are you going to do that? At what point are you going to actually try different things? Right now is the time to try different things. I personally do not think Paul Reed is the answer backup center, but why not try it now? And that's the problem. Like Doc, that, that's like Doc being a boomer that he. Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to go the boomer route, but he's acting like a damn boomer. Try something different, man. Trial and error. You're not going to do that in in a, in a seven game series in the playoffs. I don't care who you play in the first round. You do it now. And. Scared money don't make no money. I've been telling you guys that, especially all the Sixers fans who are scared of the Brooklyn Nets. Scared money does not make no money. So you got to go ahead and try Paul Reed out there. Do something. Something, Doc. Por favor. Haga algo. Huevón este. Eh. All right. Phillies, because I, I know a lot of people want to talk about the Phillies real quick. So first up, I want to discuss the Adam Hazley trade. If you guys were not aware, the Phillies yesterday dealt Adam Hazley to the Chicago White Sox for McKinley Moore a.k.a. a single-A arm, okay? He's a big arm, but single-A player. Um, It was time. I I feel for Adam Hazley. I know he was going through his mental uh, mishaps last season. You guys know me. I'm a big advocate for mental health. I feel for him. Moving up through the farm system, moving up into the majors can be extremely excruciating on your mental health, especially, look, Philadelphia, the media, the fans, we're not very forgiving, okay? So I I do understand that, but he never grabbed the center field position. He never grabbed it by the balls and and the lack of better terms, and that's been kind of the issue here with a lot of these players, Uh, but for Adam Hazley, I wish him nothing but the best, 
Um, and this, it, unfortunately, it's kind of a long line of uh, first round draft picks that just haven't pan out high prospects that haven't been able to pan out. We can put them in the same categories as Scott Kingery, a Spencer Howard, um, a Cornelius Randolph. It sucks at Mickey Moniak, although he was heading that trajectory right now. We'll talk about Mickey Moniak, but um, Adam Hazley, it, it, it just sucks. Another failed circumstance here. Uh, for the Phillies and the amount of center fielders that we have gone through, uh, Gwyn, Ben Revere, uh, uh, Mickey Moniak, Roman Quinn, Andrew McCutcheon saw some time at center field. It is absolutely remarkable the amount of center fielders that this team has gone through. And for whatever reason, we cannot find that guy. Hopefully, possibly, maybe we can find one in Matt Veerling. Maybe he can take the center field position uh, um, by hold, and that would be absolutely fantastic for us. Um, and of course, uh, I I don't want to I don't want to throw this in, but I hope Alec Bohm does not get put into that category as well as he is kind of leading into that as well. And when I'm looking at the potential lineup for the Phillies going into spring, going into opening day, now tonight today's lineup is kind of indicative of what could be the starting lineup for the Phillies going into this year. So today against the Detroit Tigers, you got Kyle Schwarber leading off in left field, Gene Segura in second playing at second base. Bryce Harper batting third, starting at right field. JT Real Muto at catcher, batting fourth. Batting fifth, Reese Hoskins playing at first base. Batting sixth and starting at shortstop, Didi Gregorius. Batting seventh in your DH day, Johan Camargo. Batting eighth, Matt Beerling starting at center field. And batting ninth and at third base, Bryson Stott. Now, I do think that this is very indicative of what could happen opening day. Kyle Gibson is going to be your starting pitcher. Now, I do not think that Camargo will be your DH. I do think that will either be Castellanos or Kyle Schwarber. And I do think that Cast I do think it's going to be this lineup, this batting lineup exactly, except I do think that Castellanos will be moved up to the fourth slot. So you'll see Schwarbs, Segura, Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, Hoskins, Gregorius. Veerling and and possibly Bryson Stott. Will he get the star here? Bryson, I'll, I'll say this. I am tired of wasting prospects potential. I'm tired of it. I do think that part of the problem that we're not seeing young players succeed in Philadelphia is our own damn fault. I'm talking about the Phillies, but we also have our problems with young players and the other 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 club, other teams in Philadelphia. But Bryson, when I watch him play. The dude looks MLB ready. He looks like a major league ball player. And he's, I, in my opinion, he's got to come up here and play. Alec Bohm, I know a lot of people want to see him still up here because we don't want to see another top prospect kind of fall and crumble like a Kingery or Spencer Howard. But at some point, enough is enough, guys. What are we trying to do? Are we are we trying to have a, a, a pity party? Or are we trying to create stud dog prospects? Bryson Stott? is a dog prospect. So to me, it's interesting to see that he will stay at third base or he's playing third base here today. I heard that possibly DD moving to third, Bryson going to shortstop. If Bryce, to me, it seems like Bryson just wants to go out there. He'll, he'll cash, he'll pitch if he has to. And so I do think that if that's the case, I'm okay with it. I'm more concerned about the bats because I do think that defensively, we're not going to be that good. I think we might be, if anything, an average to below average defensive team because of what you got, especially in the infield, Hoskins, although Hoskins has looked a little bit better at first base and spring training from what I've seen. We know that DD, what are we going to get from DD? 
what are we going to get from Didi? The bat has looked good, but obviously he's getting up there in age, and that's to me, is a still a question mark. I, Bryson Stott, I'm actually not worried about his, uh, his gloves per se too much. I think he will do a better job at third base than he would either D, than what Didi would give you or uh, Alec Bohm would give you at third base. Um, but I think to me, the goal for this team is just to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's really that simple. Um, not to get Boger McFarland, guys, but this team, it's built to hit. It's, it's a bunch of fucking bashing bats who are going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's going to be a lot. You're going to see a lot of high scoring games this season as well. And I think that's where it's going to take. And I know Fats, Fat Boy SC, what uh, questions about the defense, but the defense is a bit of a concern. I mean, even the outfield, like I look at. Obviously, Bryce, I think Veerling and and, um, and Castellanos will be your opening day outfield. I think Schwarber is your fourth outfielder with Mickey Moniak being your fifth. And that Adam Hazley trade opened up a spot for um, Al, uh, for for Mickey Moniak to make this team. So I think that is what is going to that's what the lineup is going to look like. And that's what the uh, defense is going to look like going into next year. Um, and you can play around a lot. You can put JT Real Muto uh, at catcher. You can put him at DH. Um, I I, I want to see a lot from Rafael Marchand. I loved what I saw in the little bit we saw him last year, and I think he is ready to be the backup catcher for the Phillies. And so we have a lot of good stuff here. Uh, but I think the name of the game is just to hit the ball out of the. That boy. See, we talked about the Phillies, man. We talked about the Phillies. So you let me know what you think, my brother. Uh, Gunner, I appreciate the follow, my man. Thank you so much. Zach, thank you so much for the gifts, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate that, brother. What's going on, Zach? How you feeling? Happy Wednesday to you. All right, let's go backstage yet again, and let's bring on Ian Fitzmeyer onto Oyen Philly Sports. What is going on, Ian? How you feeling? I'm doing good. Did you hear about uh, Malcolm Jenkins? I did. He's going to be part of our Eagles segment. <laughs> yeah, that's um, congrats to him on that. But uh, then he didn't see the other part with the Eagles. I don't get why everyone's overhyping the Kelly Greens. I'm going to say this, and I got crap ton of it on social media for it, like especially with Facebook and Twitter. The Kelly Greens are overrated. I prefer the black jerseys. I prefer the midnight greens because the Kelly Green, what does that re represent to us? Decades of pain, agony, and misery. The only reason I think people are enjoying it is because of they're going back to their glory days they're, when they were about yeah, our age or younger, like in their early 20s or so, back in their prime. I think that's the other partial reason towards it is like the nostalgia of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but if they keep the black jerseys, I'll be a little bit more okay with it after with the 2023 and afterwards. Like, if they're going to have that one retro night game with the Kelly Greens, fine. But besides that, it's we really shouldn't even be bothered bringing it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Ian, look, so no, a couple things. So I think with Kelly Greens, for me personally, I think it's a good look. I'm actually more excited to see this, the gray come back. I think the gray is a very clean look, and I think it will look good in this era. I think I'm more excited about the gray than I am the Kelly Green. But I think you're right. I do think that a lot of people look at you know their childhood. They remember growing up and watching Randall Cunningham and Fred Barnett, and they are excited about that part of it. For me personally, I don't want to see the Midnight Green go away. 
we've had a lot of success. The golden era of Eagles football was played in the midnight green, but I am also not opposed to a retro alternate jersey and, or alternate uniform, and I think that's where the Kelly green comes into mind. I love retro throwback gear. I've been pleading for the Sixers to bring back my childhood Allen Iverson Sixers look. And they fucked that up last year with that stupid Ben Simmons Bowhouse Row concept, which was absolutely garbage. And with the black jerseys, to your concern, they are coming back. And Ian, mm-hmm. even better, they're coming back with black helmets. I'm excited for that sick. one. Sick. I am excited for that one. But as long as they stick with those black jerseys, because I think they're so much better looking, I wish they would bring back that Iverson error, especially with the Sixers, like you said, with the Sixers as well. It dries me up a wall because I want to see that old school style back or even just like try to buy it back so kind of another Sixers jersey but um even with the blues and the reds they had was still pretty damn great not just even the blacks that era i'm like we could just have it just back that logo just back even just for one night even for a night or two and it drives me up a wall with these other teams when they do, do that like they don't bring that back i that just ugh, things just drive me up a wall that stuff but how you're um, handling with uh columbia because i heard they didn't make it absolutely yeah and we'll, we'll definitely get to that and we're, we're gonna get some more on here we're gonna answer your questions in a second as well but ian thank you so much for hopping on in as always a couple more points before i get to my soccer points and we have some more eagle stuff to talk about in here as well um but i think that the important part about the kelly green we need to remember guys i think what's more important is how the eagles will integrate the kelly green what will this look look like? Will it be the Randall Cunningham playing green jerseys? Will it be the Ron Jaworski, Wilbur Montgomery green when you had the, the the white and gray stripes on the sleeves? I like honestly like that better than what they did with the Randall Cunningham era of the 90s. But it's really what is it going to look like? And I think that's more important than actually bringing back the Kelly green. And I, and, and I think I'm looking more forward to what these actual uniforms are are going to look like. And of course, bringing back the gray. I love the gray. I think the gray is a good look for the Eagles. I thought even with these midnight greens, you could implement gray and it would still look fantastic as well. But I think those are things that we're going to have to look at. But Malcolm Jenkins retiring. Wow. Wow. But number one, I thought got caught by surprise. I thought he would go back to New Orleans. It seems like everyone's looking at New Orleans. Like that's not a good uh, spot. Maybe like what it was last year, right? And so, you know, he's played 13 years. He's still healthy and, you know, probably wants to take some time away. And, he, and he's he's fine with it. Some guys just come to the conclusion like, I don't need this anymore. And I'm OK with it. I can move all my life without the NFL. But when we look at Malcolm, obviously, we're looking at as an eagle. We're not looking at him as a saint. Um, in my opinion, in Eagles history, there's been a couple good agent signings since the start of free agency. And I do believe that um, as my phone. I do believe that um, Malcolm Jenkins in Eagles history was the best signing in Eagles history, best free agent signing in Eagles history. Um, John Runnin, you could put in there. You could put um, Brandon Brooks in that category as well. But when you think about what Malcolm Jenkins brought to this team, he was a defensive leader for the Eagles from 2014 until 2019. Five seasons he was the heartbeat of this Eagles defense coming from free agency. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was a 2014. I believe that was Howie's last year as the GM. I'd have to look back at the timetable. But, um, you know, I, I look back at that Super Bowl year. 
him doing the the the, the dances in the locker room, um, him just being that overall leader, and more importantly, I love when players come here, and that's that's why I still have my Connor Barwin jersey is right next to me. I still love Connor Barwin. I know some Eagles fans when I wear down the street don't don't know who ninety eight is in this Cali Green or this Midnight Green jersey. But I love players who come to Philadelphia and embrace it as their city. Give back to the city. Malcolm Jenkins would go into the city and during all this the 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 riots and the and the um and the police brutality that's been highlighted so much over the past couple of years, Malcolm Jenkins decided that we cannot we cannot continue the back and forth bickering between the cops and, and, and African-Americans in the United States. We need to find a common ground because we've been battling, going to war for decades now. And what Malcolm Jenkins did was, OK, you know what we need to do? I need to go and I need to get the perspective of the cops, because obviously he gets the perspective of being an African-American in the United States. He went out and literally had heart-to-heart conversations with the police trying to find some sort of common ground here. And that is what Peter does. He is the epitome of a leader. And that was what Malcolm Jenkins was. Besides all the good stuff he did on the field, because, dude, Jim Schwartz literally used Malcolm Jenkins in so many different ways. Malcolm was, was a single high safety. He played as the strong. He played as the free. He played as a linebacker. He played as a slot corner. Whatever Jim needed, Malcolm would do. And I, and and to have a utility at that age it was, at the, at the age he is, the utility player that he was. Remember, Malcolm played corner in Ohio State. He became a safety in the league. And having that versatility, absolutely spectacular. Malcolm, thank you so much. Your legacy will forever live on in Philadelphia. The fact that we haven't retired 27 also is a disservice to you, but I will forever, ever, ever love Malcolm Jenkins. I wish I got his jersey. I, I should have bought his jersey, but I fucked up there. But um, real quick as well, um, the Jim Ursay comments on Carson Wentz. Wow. Holy crap. Jim Ursay absolutely went off on Carson Wentz, and it was truly, truly remarkable what he, what he said there. Um, I think that I, I do. Jim Jim's said some controversial shit before. I, I, I do think partial the problem was the Indianapolis Colts. Look, I, I already talked about my thoughts on Carson Wentz. I do think he's smelling himself a little bit. I do think that he thinks he's better. I think he still sees himself as a 2017 MVP than what he is right now. And that is a, probably a below average to average quarterback. It's crazy how far Carson Wentz has fallen, but. I don't think that the collapse of the Colts last year was just on Carson Wentz. I think that the problem was the entire team as a whole. Now, he didn't show up in that Jacksonville game, but that was one game you put yourself in that situation, guys. So uh, for, for Jim to come out and say, pretty much call Carson Wentz the problem with last year, dude, I think you got to look at yourself in the mirror. And I, and I, I know I was a Carson Wentz guy when Carson was here, and I know it sounds like I'm defending him, but... I don't hear accountability from the other side, and that's that's a bit of a problem to me. So good luck to the Colts fans. Obviously, they got Matt Ryan now, so everything's hunky dory. But I mean, since Andrew Luck has retired, I mean, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. I mean, proof is in the Jacoby Brissett. Proof is proof is in the pudding. Um, SSKBs ask, do you think Eagles Garrett Wilson is a possibility? Uh, and I think you mean drafting Garrett Wilson. It is a possibility the Eagles could draft Garrett Wilson. I do think that they will select a wide receiver in this upcoming draft. Um, it depends on what's there. 
they have four picks within the first 60 uh, picks in this NFL draft between the first and the second round. And I do think that they still should trade one of those picks for future considerations, future first round picks, uh, because you need to save your ass. That's that simple. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback going forward past 2022. And you need to set yourself up and make sure you, you have uh, the assets to go out and get yourself um, another quarterback. All right, let's bring out one more guest on the back from backstage. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring on Dupesburg on the Oin Philly Sports. What is going on, my brother? How you feeling? Hey, how we doing? Oh, we're doing great, my man. I, I'm excited to, to hear your voice, man. I appreciate all the love, brother. Dupe, man. Dupe. Yeah, keeping it up. Uh, my question for you was, uh, how are we dealing with Spiderski for this union game on Saturday against Charlotte? I love that you brought that up. Um, so one of my great friends on Twitter, Pancake PV, he was the Atlanta fan that is now a Charlotte fan because he's from Carolina, but he is excited for Shadorsky as well. Look, it's the same thing like when you go up against Maxi Morales. Shadorsky is a really good creative attacking player, and he can score goals on it. He does a little bit of everything, and I think that is a great piece for Charlotte to kind of build around. But let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, you still got Jakob Glesnes. You still got Jack Elliott. And oh, by the way, you still got to go through El Brujo Martinez. So I do think that the union, if they continue to play their physical defensive style of soccer, that they will be able to slow down Swiderski. I think he's going to get his shots. But being in Subaru Park, it's probably going to be a little chilly as well this upcoming Saturday, especially at night. So I do think that the union will be able to contain them as best as they can. The union are clicking on all cylinders. Now, we were... We were just going through our international break, and I'm curious to see how these guys have been able to stay um, in rhythm. What we saw against NYCFC, this the performance so far throughout the season has been great. So we have to continue that rhythm going. And against Charlotte, who seems to be gaining some momentum, right? Couple couple wins, they look a little bit better than what that what we saw in the or beginning of the season. So I think it's going to be a fun matchup. But I think that uh, between the center backs and El Brujo, we should be able to slow him down, man. Yeah, I'm excited to hear some of the Reverend chanting at Fuchs. I think he's gonna get a he's gonna get an earful from the team this yeah. year. Yes. Um, yeah. And my only other question with my worries with the team right now is I haven't seen anything from Flock this year, and I'm just worried that the consistency um, from last year didn't carry over. So I have a very uh, I guess I should I can break it now. Um, so tonight, Dupesburg. I don't know what you're doing around 7:30, but we will have Leon Flock on Dupe by the river. It's so funny. Oh, you Lord, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're gonna have bring the heat. we're gonna have him on. We're gonna ask him some questions now. I don't want to listen. I I have all the respect for Leon Flock. So I have listen. I have my criticisms on Leon Flock as well. And these what you're saying is legitimate. 100 legitimate. I. For me personally, I don't know if you've ever heard my take, but I feel like, you know, a lot of people want me to compare the union to Philly sports. Leon Flock is like Matisse Thibel, someone you just love. He's a great dude. Like, how can you hate that smile? Oh, dude, yeah, the smile. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's a he's a great guy, I think, for the locker room and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, some of the behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, he's I'd a- love to I'd love to see that offensive uh, side of him pick up a little bit more. Um, just I- with you know the young guys that you have that are just um, bringing it over in Argentina this weekend, scoring <laughs> so many goals yeah. in the U.S. It's just like, man, no, we need to see Leon do that as well, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, so he's a D 
defensively, he's he's great, man. He knows how to track back, get the ball. Problem is, in the final third, he kind of disappears. Um, and it's not like he doesn't know how to run. Like, it's just, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't finish in the final third. And I feel like his blueprint is Alejandro Bedoya, and I hope he's taking some lessons there. Because Ali is a kind of similar player, someone who, who works well out wide, who makes great runs, great defensively. Uh, and I, I and I just don't know why is in the final third Leon doesn't make some of those runs that Ali does. Even like Al, if Ali's not scoring the goal in the final third, he's making those runs to open someone up. I look at 